Hi friends, thanks for tuning in to In Other News, a random podcast about stuff. The kind of stuff you think about every day. Or at least some days. Here's the setup. Once upon a time, three young guys worked together to deliver news and weather from a local TV station. Today, they're a little older, a little wiser, and they're back to discuss the things that really matter. And a few things that don't. Thanks for listening. Now here's Axel, Joe, and Adam. Welcome back, everyone, for another fun edition of In Other News with Axel, Joe, and Adam. And I am Joe of that famed trio. To myself is the esteemed Axel. Axel, how are you this fine day? Hey, good, Joe. How are you? Doing well. To my north is the esteemed Adam. How are you Ta-da! today? I'm here. I'm good. I'm cold. Yeah, uh, yeah. For those international listeners of ours, we do have a handful of those. Yes. Uh, it is we're recording on a day where it's been 16 degrees below zero here in this part of Minnesota, and at 16 below Fahrenheit. If that's Celsius, it's 26 degrees below Ooh, zero. Way to that's go, impressive. Joe. Yeah, I, yeah. I had to look that up. So, is it uh, is it fair to call our internationals our one percenters? <laughs> the other one percent. Yeah, the, maybe it's the point one percent yeah <laughs> judging by our listenership but uh, nonetheless india we're we're happy to have you yeah so if you folks in india or around the world who are listening are wondering what's it like when it's 16 degrees below fahrenheit or 26 below celsius imagine stepping into a refrigerator and then being wrapped in a coat of barbed wire and being punched in the face and that's exactly what 16 degrees below zero feels like Very sounds accurate. appealing It's a great place to live. We like it here. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, since our last episode, we spent time with the uh, No Sugar Challenge. And at the end of last episode, we were all gung-ho, like, we're going to keep incorporating this into our lives. Wait, wait. I I did not agree to that. Uh, let's play back the tape and, and take a look at that. But uh, uh, so let's see how we did here the past couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks since we did that episode. Um, uh, I can start. I will say that the eating after 7 o'clock p.m. has been a challenge to not do. I will also say that eliminating sugar completely from my diet has uh, gone by the wayside. But I am a little bit mindful about what I'm shoving into my face in between meals at the very least. How about you guys? Well, I, uh, you know, just like I shared with you guys after the first challenge that I did with my wife a while back, because you notice how quickly you can use, lose a couple of pounds. I did not uh, shy away from uh, putting in some extra sugar that following week. And sure enough, I packed on, I don't know, two, three extra pounds and uh, so it's frustrating, but uh, I think since then I've leveled off a little bit. Uh, not quite sure where it's going to go, but uh, so far so good, I guess. If we'd ever warm up again, then we could get outside and maybe be a little bit more active. And not... well, that's the thing. When it's so cold, I, I just want to eat. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. How about you, Adam? I'm still waiting for the uh, miracle weight loss cure. Um, Give it time. Yeah. Uh, I I resume sugar immediately. Although I didn't have I didn't have a lot of sugar to begin with, but I once the challenge was done, I was I was done too, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, uh, we can keep talking about how our failures of sugar have gone or not gone, but really, this is a, an important episode for us. This is the first time we've ever had a, a, an expert guest right. on. Yeah, don't screw with, this up. Well, with actual expertise, not just three 
dopes just talking about <laughs> not eating sugar for a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got an actual expert here, and we're going to be talking about uh, a very meaty subject about afterlife and being organized in your afterlife. And and so before we we but not get really into that, afterlife, right? Like, well, it's preparing. I'm not for, talking about the afterlife. No, not the afterlife. But yes. you have to prepare for your estate for those loved ones you will leave behind who have to clean up the mess that you leave behind. So we're going to get some good insight and good advice coming up from our special guest who you'll hear in just a little bit. But I wanted to ask you guys a, a quick question. So I did a little bit of research here, uh, which is typical for the podcast. I yeah, yeah, you are the only little, one who does research. Well, a little bit is the keyword. Thanks for bringing bit. legitimacy, Joe. <laughs> so I did a, a quick search. So caring.com is a caregiving resource website. Uh, they did a survey and they've done a survey for um, a couple of years now or a few surveys about estate planning. And they did the uh, 2020 estate planning and will study just this past year. So uh, of the people they surveyed, how many people, what's the percentage of people that said they have a will? For last year's survey, they you know they did this. What's the percent of people that they surveyed who said that they have a will? Uh, I'll open it up to you guys to guess. Seventeen percent. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you think, Axel? You know, some some low number too. And my question is, you know, what do they consider a will? Is it a scribbled uh, a scribbled note that they carry around in their back pocket or an actual <laughs> legal document? So I'm going to say with twenty three percent. Oh, okay. Well, you guys are very pessimistic because of the people surveyed in 2020 for the caring.com survey, 32% said they wow. had a will. That said, the number has steadily gone down since they've done the survey. So their first survey was back in 2017 and 42% of the people who responded back then said they had a will. Then it dropped to 40% in 2019. Now it's down to 32 two percent for 2020 so not quite sure why that is but we all have our reasons for doing or not doing our estate planning and we'll probably get into some of those with the questions for our expert uh, coming up here in just a bit right our experts trying to change that right our exactly yeah, yeah. And, say that yeah and based on all the resources that uh, she has access to and she will allow you to have access to as well i've checked out some of the resources as part of this research so we're gonna have a good segment coming up here so why don't we take a break we'll prepare uh we'll we'll act a little bit more mature since we've got a guest yeah, well, here <laughs> well let's not go too far here okay well well we'll clean things up a little bit we're going to take a break come back with our special guest to talk about um, our estate planning all right welcome back everybody and uh you guys uh you know when uh the really successful tv shows they do these crossover events right so like yeah. chicago fire and i don't know what the other one's called so really, we're kind of doing the same one here today, right? This is a crossover podcast event between our podcast in other news and another podcast called An Organized Afterlife. And that is where our special guest comes in. And she is actually lurking in a bedroom above me right now. Because Hello, our boys. Special guest is not, none not other that you've than kidnapped this special guest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> guys, uh, please welcome Jennifer Gumble, my better half, to the show. Ooh, Hi, clap, guys. clap, clap, clap. Hi, Jen. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Did you lose a bet that required you to come on our podcast? Oh, I will talk about this stuff at any opportunity. So, no, well, she, no bet was lost. No. 
And really now, Joel, thanks to your research, she's going to address the 68 percent right that do not yeah. have a will <laughs> that you know that's that was actually a little surprising i thought more people actually had their act together than than some of us oh, do joe, so but this apparently is not humanity joe this is humanity you're talking what about. surprises me a little bit the numbers don't surprise me so much as that it's slowly decreasing mm-hmm. that surprises me why is that i, I don't know i when i heard it i was um i was surprised um one of the it seems odd to me because there's there's a movement in the industry to make this more available make these documents more available and so i'm surprised that that's not uh resulting in more people having documents which i have i have some thoughts about but um that's surprising to me yeah, the reasons that people gave that they don't have a will are things like I haven't gotten around to it. Uh, I oh, don't have, yeah, I, I don't have enough assets to leave to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, these are all good excuses. I'm writing yeah. this down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's too expensive for me. Oh, to set that's up a anything. good one. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. And I don't know where to start. I don't know how to yeah. do this. So yeah. those were the four big reasons yeah, that they that, had that last one. I, there's a thing called Google. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but here's the problem. So I I kind of see the, I get to see the result, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis of, of Google. And there's a lot of information on Google. Not a lot of it's very understandable. It, it's a lot of things that are uh, very kind of in the weeds uh, between fi- financial advisors, attorneys, CPAs are writing this information. And it's stuff like, you know, what's the portability of estate taxes in 2021? And does that apply to your uh, state estate taxes in Minnesota? And that's like, that's, that's what the professionals are are able to deal with. That doesn't help anybody trying to figure out how to get started on getting their estate plan done. So Google is good for a lot of things, but there's just not a lot of great resources on the internet for this stuff. There's lots and lots of resources, very little that's easy to understand. Mm, but what about, what about the $29.99 download fill in the blank <laughs> will? Exactly. <laughs> um, say that I'm again. Glad, I'm just glad I'm married to an attorney. <laughs> well, yeah. So Jen, <laughs> give a little bit about your background. I mean, it's not like, yeah. oh, you're married to Axel. Therefore you're an expert in everything. So right. uh, well, I'd like us. to think I am in a, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> tell um, us about, you know, where you went to school, how long you've been doing yeah. this. Stuff yeah. Like so I'm, um, I'm an attorney licensed in the state of Minnesota. Um, I have an inactive license in Florida, which means that I am a very, very dangerous person in Florida. Um, <laughs> Most, yeah. Um, but I have a law degree um, and I've been a licensed attorney for th- 13 and a half years, um, practicing primarily in estate planning and probate. And uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of situations. So, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of how, um, the industry, both both attorneys um, as the professionals and the do-it-yourself um, providers out there, um, it's not. It's hard for people to know where to start, and there's a lot of people who leave a very big mess. And our industry isn't doing um, an effective job at helping people get started. 
And you've tried to uh, address that by your websites and your podcast and your videos that you've set up, right? Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what you've been doing personally to, to yeah. try and address the the dullards of like the three of us <laughs> who have not figured well, this out yet? Yeah, and something I want to something I want to say is a lot of people feel like they're they're dumb because they don't know about this, right? Um, and pretty much the only people who who understand how this works for the most part, there's two groups of people, um, the attorneys who actually practice in this. So there's tons of attorneys who have no idea how this works because they don't practice in it. Um, I run into criminal lawyers and, um, and, um, tort lawyers. That's, you know, that's, um, law, the civil lawsuit people that have no idea how estate planning works. And they have the same questions that normal people have. So don't feel dumb is what I'm trying to say with that. And like three guys trying to do a podcast. Right. <laughs> right, right. Um, and there's another group of people who under, who understand how it works and it's people who had to clean up someone else's mess. So the best, the best clients I ever work with are like, like 80 year old widows who come in and they know exactly what they need. They know exactly exactly what they need to do. And they're saying, okay, here's the situation with my family. Here's the assets that I own. Help me figure out how to set this up the way, uh, the right way so that things move efficiently. Um, and they really get it because they had to clean it up. And that's the thing that frustrates me is I would love this stuff to be common knowledge so that these messes didn't happen. Um, but it seems like the, the best resource is having to clean up a mess. And I hate that. So, mm-hmm. So Jen, so we'll oh, go ahead. Sorry, Joe. Uh, so Jen, what should someone be thinking about maybe by their decade of life, right? Like I'm in my twenties. Do I even care about mm-hmm. this? I'm immortal. You know, yeah. to, when I'm in my eighties <laughs> yes. and I've got, you know, kids and grandkids and maybe wealth mm-hmm. that I need to worry about. How does that progress throughout the uh, person's lifetime? Yeah. So I say that every adult should have an estate plan. And for me, an estate plan is thinking through the legal to-do list that you're going to leave when either you die or you can't do things for yourself. You're incapacitated. um, That's that's the technical term for it. Um, And any adult will have a to-do list. Um, So you could be an 18-year-old and have a bank account and a car, and your parents can't swoop in and tell the doctor, what kind of medical treatment you should have or get your medical information if you're in an accident um, or start calling your landlord and writing checks out of your bank account to pay your rent while you're in the hospital. Um, so uh, so that's, that's kind of the thing that every adult has in common is this capacity issue. Um, and then as you progress, your estate plan is going to look different. So things like what do I own and how are those things going to move? And is that the most efficient way to get it to the people who should be getting it? Um, that's the, that's the question that every adult should ask themselves. What do I own and how is it moving? Is it going according to plan? Um, and then the plan is where the professionals can come in and help strategize and come up with that plan. Um, and I tend to see, although this isn't true for everyone, um, that estate plans tend to get more complicated um, when people have kids, because then you're adding in the layer of not only am I worried about where my stuff goes and what happens if I'm here, but I can't do things for myself, but 
if I'm not able to parent and the other parent isn't able to parent, then who's going to parent my kids? Um, so that's kind of an extra layer. But then as those kids grow up and they hopefully have their heads screwed on straight, then sometimes those estate plans can get a lot simpler. So you brought up the kids angle. Is that one of the things that you see that prevents people from coming in or do people have to have all their answers in place before sitting down with a professional to talk about this stuff? No. And actually this is something that I run into commonly. And I, I think this can be a big hurdle for people who have, who have kids um, is that they they're stuck on the question of if we can't parent our kids, who are we going to say that we want to have parent our kids? Cause we that's lived that too, right. I mean, we had that yeah. same it took yeah. us a long time to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and that can be really hard because um, some people, they don't have perfect options. And so they're stuck on this idea of like, I can't find the perfect option. What do I do? Or they have an option uh, or, they, or their situation is where they have tons of people who love their kids and tons of, tons of people who would be oh, fine options and they can't pick between them. And I think, I think what people tend to do is they tend to think of it as like a, a uh, merit badge to, to the family member of, we think you love our kids the most. <laughs> when that's not really the right question to be asking, the, the right question to be asking is, what's our goal for our children when they're adults? And who's best positioned to be able to get our kids to that point? So like I use the example of you have an aunt who loves your kids, your kids love that aunt, but she can't tell them no. Um, there might be a better option um, if you want your kids to be independent adults. So you just kind of think of the goals for your kids and then think through your different options and who's best positioned to be able to, uh, to help bring those kids where you want them to end up. I think I read this on your website too, if I recall right, that if, if, uh, God forbid that, you know, you die and your spouse dies and you have kids and you don't have a will, the judge or the parties involved are going to try and place the children where there is least disruption to their life or something that they're most accustomed to. Um, uh, yeah, if, that, that can be a huge factor. So here's the thing. And the, this is the phrase that I commonly hear, especially um, um, with uh, celebrity financial advisors, when they talk about estate planning or different providers, uh, whether they're attorneys or whether they're not attorney providers is, is this idea that if you don't say in your will, who should be parenting your kids, the judge is going to decide. And I always kind of like, like the nerd in the back of the room says, well, <laughs> actually, um, judges are always going to be involved in figuring this out. There will always be a hearing. Um, I, I know at least in Minnesota, um, and I would venture to say that every other state is the same. Um, the process to put somebody in place requires a court hearing. Um, and the judge really, really wants to know your opinion. But maybe you pick somebody and they just like are off the deep end or there's some great secret, secret skeleton that you had no idea about. There's having the judge make the determination is really helpful. Um, and that's how it works for anybody, whether or not you have a will, but the power of the will is being able after you're dead to tell the court, Hey, this is who I want. 
And that holds a lot of weight. The judge really, really wants to know what the parents wanted. Um, and that really, that's really the difference between a will and not having a will isn't so much that whether or not a judge is going to decide a judge is going to be involved. Um, but it's being able to communicate and let the judge know what you wanted. Jen, what if you're, um, what if you're, you know, you're <clears throat> Johnny be good and you develop your will, um, but then it goes a couple of years and, you know, your circumstances change. Uh -huh. What if, what if you have a, what if you have an old will that's out of date? What? I say that estate plans, it's always good to, to have it checked. Think of it like a car. Um, your car may be running great, but every, you know, every 50,000 miles, a hundred thousand miles, you just want it looked at to see if there's something that's going to be a problem down the road. Um, and a lot of times, especially when the will is made with an attorney, we're thinking through the common issues that are going to come up. So things like, um, if my kids turn 18, when, when does this guardianship provision come off? Right. Um, when my kids turn a certain age, when, when is it okay for them to get the money outright? Or if this person in front of me happens to have more kids, is this will going to adjust to those circumstances? Um, so a lot of times the, the plan or the will is still going to do exactly what you want to do. Um, but I'd say every few years, you do want to get it looked at and see if it's still doing what you want it to do. And if you have a significant life event, you definitely want to have it checked to get it, um, to get it looked at and probably adjusted at that point. And let's say that you have uh, somebody that you no longer want in your will. Can you just use white out over their name? You cannot. I see this all the time. Yeah, Crap. I see this all the time. Um, no, you you have to go through what we call the formalities. And state by state, that's good. different states have different rules about what it takes to be a legally enforceable document. In Minnesota, you need two witnesses. And it's been really interesting. COVID has been a really interesting time for us because we've really had to figure out what does it technically mean to be a witness um, to make this document legally valid? Do we need to be in the same room? Can we see somebody through a window? Can we do it over Zoom? You know, all of these questions with COVID of how do we do this safely and still make sure this document is checking the box it needs to so that it works in front of, it works when it needs to. Mm. So there goes the whiteout idea. There goes yeah. the whiteout. I see a lot of people, though. Um, I see a lot of people cross out, and that actually creates more problems than the cross out did because the question it, it raises a whole bunch of questions of did this person mean that they want just this provision out? Does this person want the whole entire will out? Did they revoke just this part or the whole thing? Um, what do they want instead? Do we put do we put what we call the intestacy laws, the fallback that our state says what they think they you would you would have wanted if you don't have a will? Um, what are we supposed to do with that? And anytime you have gray areas, that's where messes come in. Um, so crossing out actually can create massive problems. Don't do Unless it. Unless you put Don't your do initials it. and date next to it. Nope. Then it's nope. all cool. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. Doesn't that work way. like that. <laughs> doesn't work like that for wills. Other things can work like that, but it doesn't, but those other things don't have the, the requirements that a will does. 
Now, I know here in Minnesota, there's a very famous uh, celebrity who passed away who did not have a will. Yes. And that has been going through probate oh my God. for a couple of years now, and it certainly oh, yeah. is not decided. So is that the worst case scenario? If you do not that is have the worst a will. Case scenario. Okay. Yeah, um, that's the worst case scenario. And, he, and the thing was, when he first died, within a couple, couple of days, seemed like a couple of days, maybe it was a, maybe it was a few weeks, but um, the news came out that he didn't have a will. And it wasn't so much the fact that he didn't have a will that meant that he went through probate. That was, wills never determine whether or not you have to go through court to move assets. Your assets are going to determine whether or not you need to do that. So here's what I mean. Let's say you have, or you know what, let's just use Prince. Okay. So what could have happened is that Prince could, if Prince could have had something like um, an LLC that held that held like LLC. Here, I'm getting weedy. Um, <laughs> he could have he could have had some kind of business entity that held all of his assets, and then had a document within the within the business um, documentation that said, "When I die, this is going to go to X Y Z." Okay those assets would move automatically. And so it wouldn't matter whether or not he had a will. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't need a probate because there wouldn't be assets that would, would require a personal representative to be appointed. It's the same thing as executor. Executor is the traditional term. Um, it was the fact that he had assets that weren't telling us where they went when he died that required the need for the court to appoint a personal representative. Now, a will comes in to tell the court where those assets that are stuck should go. And they tell, and the will tells the court, here's who I want to be responsible for that. That's our, that's the personal representative. So the fact that Prince didn't have a will that didn't change the fact that he was going to have a probate or not. Okay. It was his assets that determined that. Um, the fact that he didn't have a will was indicative of two things. Number one, the fallback rules of Minnesota that, that we put in place when no one says what they wanted. They didn't do a will. And so we don't know what Prince wanted. Um, so then we take what Minnesota puts in as, as the fallback. In his case, the estate split evenly between his siblings, full siblings and half siblings. They're treated the same. That's how Minnesota does it. Um, the, uh, and the fact that he didn't have a will, and this was something that I didn't quite catch on to right away, but at, but looking back on it, if you are uh, if you're Prince um, and you're heavily lawyered up and you don't have a will, it means you didn't do an estate plan. Um, you didn't you weren't asking the question of what happens to my assets when I die because if you don't have a will with all of those lawyers that you see all the time between your trademark. Whoa! Did we lose her? <laughs> oh maybe, no maybe oh, it was princess people it might have been princess <laughs> oh no you're right <laughs> it's it's the paisley park mafia that came in. <laughs> but anyway um the uh what what the fact that he didn't have a will was indicative of is that he didn't do his estate plan um if you have that many lawyers involved in your life and you don't have a will it means you weren't ready. You weren't asking those questions. You weren't ready to do your plan and leave an organized afterlife. And now things are disorganized. So Jen, how do you get started? Like what's the first step that any, yeah, you know, any is, of our listeners could take here with? 
So, so there's a couple of steps. There's a couple of steps um, to take. When I meet with people, um, they don't need to know everything that they owned, but at some point they do. So if you're, if you're just starting to get your feet wet, if you, um, if, if calling around to attorney's office is a little intimidating, if you know, you're not going to do that right away and you're just wanting to figure out something easy, a couple things you could do is think through, okay, what do I own and start gathering some documentation so that you're leaving a trail of breadcrumbs so that people, uh, whoever's supposed to deal with your mess when you die, right? They're able to figure out things like, where do you bank? Do they own a home? What does their car title say? Those are things that people have to figure out after a death. Um, and some people, if they have their documentation organized, it's easy. And other people, it is a nightmare. Um, it can be one of the hardest things to deal with after someone dies, you know, just setting aside the grief stuff. Um, but this is a difficult thing to deal with if people aren't organized on the front end. What if, um, what if somebody doesn't have a lot of assets, you know, but they just, you know, maybe they don't even own a home. Maybe they rent. Is it still important to have a full-blown estate plan or? It's important to have an estate plan. Your plan might be pretty, pretty simple. Okay. Um, so your assets are one factor. But also the people involved are another factor. I call them squirrels. People are squirrely and it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of degrees. Um, if you, uh, let's say you have a bank account, a car, your household goods, and that's about it. Um, and you have two adult children who are at each other's throats. Uh, you're probably going to have some issues. Um, and that may be a situation where you still need a will to avoid the kids being at each other's throats. Um, even though you might, it may not rise to the, to the level of bringing that will to court. Um, at least you have guidance to those two kids of what they need to be doing. Um, the, if you're in a situation where you have one kid that you trust implicitly, um, your estate plan might be very simple. Um, where you're just trying to figure out how do I get these things to automatically transfer? And when you don't have a lot of assets, especially when you don't have real estate, um, it can be very easy to set those assets up. You can talk, talk to the bank and ask what your options are to get your checking account to get to your, to your, uh, to your kid when you die. Um, there's options for that. So it's just thinking through the question of what do I have? Where do I want it to go? And what's the most efficient way to get it there? Um, and the efficiency question is where lawyers um, are really helpful. There are some people I work with where the, where the planning isn't that extensive and it's, and it's pretty uh, low cost. And then of course, there are people with very complicated things um, where the price goes up from there. And you, Jen, you've been stressing, any amount of planning will lessen the headache for anyone who comes after you to take care of that, that transition. Correct. Yep. So there's a saying that don't let perfect get in the way of good. Um, and this is so true in estate planning because there's a lot of things that, you know, there, there are things that you may not have perfectly lined up and that's okay. Um, or you might feel like this is completely overwhelming and you may never get, get everything lined up or have things go smooth and perfectly. And of course, people um, <laughs> being involved in the, as a factor, um, is always a variable you can't control, 
But the more that you have things organized, um, the easier it's going to be for people. You're taking things off their plate, off of the to-do list of people who hopefully are in a state of grief because they've lost you. And so the more that you can do, the less it's going to be on their plate. After checking out your website, Jen, I know you've got a lot of great resources. I saw in there, you've got steps for efficient estate planning. There's a six steps mm -hmm. that you recommend, just a mm -hmm. whole bunch of resources on there. What uh, Can you share a little bit about how people can find that information, uh, your Facebook page, uh, mm -hmm. and, and share that with everyone? Yeah. So my website is an organized afterlife. That's A-N organized. I've had some people ask if it's U-N um, as in disorganized and mm. That's what we're trying to prevent. So it's an organized afterlife. Um, there's a tab on there called tools. Um, I also uh, have a Facebook page and a podcast and all of those things can be found through the website. Um, I also have a workshop where it's a um, online at, you know, at your pace workshop where you sign up and I actually talk you through going through each of the six steps. Um, and I, I talk about things like, how, do, how can assets move? Um, what, what factors do you need to be thinking of? Um, how do you get your financial organization to line up with your plan? And then a big question that comes up is, how do you locate an attorney who's going to actually strategize with you um, and not simply just set up a bunch of documents because you walked in the door? Because what you're really looking for um, isn't so much complicated documents. Um, you're looking for a strategy that's going to fit your needs. Uh, final questions for Jen here, gentlemen. Well, I think we made that last one easy, right? You shouldn't need to go search for an attorney. We've we've already hand selected <laughs> yeah, exactly. the best one. Well, if you're in Minnesota, any listener in Minnesota, <laughs> and perhaps someone in Florida, in maybe, maybe someone in Florida. No, I'm inactive. Can't do it. I'm just. You said I'm you were dangerous, saying, not I'm in. Dangerous. I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous. I'm not helpful in Florida. <laughs> well, Jed, you've been tremendously helpful. Again, thank you for sharing your expertise and the website for people to go and look for more information as well. Uh, final thoughts from you. What's what do you uh, what's your parting shot for people? What do you want people to take away from this discussion? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just going to, because this is a hard topic to think about and talk about. Um, the one thing I would kind of offer to people is that estate planning is important because when you leave a mess, it cheats your legacy. And some people tend to think of legacy as interchangeable as money. And so they rule themselves out of having legacy. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate because it's not true. I I've dealt with tons and tons of families. And the thing is the money, you know, it's the money creates legal issues, um, and money is good and sometimes maybe not great. <laughs> but the, the thing with a legal mess is that people have to deal with the mess and it's very difficult for them to remember what's important about who you were and the things that they can carry on. Um, and so I really want to emphasize that leaving a manageable to-do list is important, not so that your kids can get a bunch of money. It's important so that people have headspace while they're in the midst of grieving you to also be able to remember who you were and then take the things about you and carry them on. And it gives, it gives your legacy shelf life. Fantastic. There you go. Yeah, that's good stuff. I have, I have one more urgent question. What, what, are, <laughs> what, what are our kids doing right now? 
That's a really important question. <laughs> I was they telling uh, the guys earlier quiet. that normally, you know, uh, our kids are used to daddy report, uh, recording a podcast or mommy recording a podcast, but we've never we happened at the same have time. Two mommy and daddy recording a podcast together. But I think it's quiet, Jen. So I think we, we well, that, that's either really good yeah, or really, that... really scary. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, don't jinx it. Maybe we better get the lightning round before everything yeah, goes to heck. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Come back with a lightning round. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Lightning round uh, with new music. Uh, I had a couple complaints about my old music selection for this uh, for this segment. So thanks, <laughs> Axel. Um, oh, <laughs> I was like, who? Who would complain about podcast music? Mr. Precision, that's what I say. Mr. Yeah, precision. German precision. Exactly. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Okay, uh, gentlemen uh, and Jen. Uh, so, so we figured, you know, fitting with the theme, I figured that maybe what I would do is see how the guys would fare in the bar exam. So today's oh, no. uh, today's lightning round questions <laughs> come right from the bar exam. Jen will be our expert to, uh, you know, maybe you can phone a friend, but but she shouldn't be chiming <laughs> in here on you. Or if there's like a question of whether or not they got it right, I'll, I can. Yeah, well, I can or adjudicate that. Probably whether it be, <laughs> you know, because I just googled this stuff, so who knows if the answers that I pulled are right. Uh, and then, uh, Jen, for you, since oh, we, boy. Would, we would not want to embarrass you and have you miss any of these bar exam questions. <laughs> We will just uh, we will just ask you true or false does this law exist so hey. you know random law questions so hey. uh, are we ready you ready well, Axel let's do it. Joe yes, Jen sir. okay uh, Axel let's start with you uh, these I will say these bar exam questions remind me a lot of like ACT questions so if you ever took the ACT they're long winded and you're trying to figure out what's the point to this that's what you're in for All okay right, hit me up here we go. A man sued a railroad for personal injuries suffered when his car was struck by a train at an unguarded crossing. A major issue is whether the train sounded its whistle before arriving at the crossing. The railroad has offered the testimony of a resident who lived near the crossing for 15 years. Although she was not present on occasion of the question, she will testify that whenever she is home, the train always sounds its whistle before arriving at the crossing. Is the resident's testimony admissible? A, Ooh. no, I, you already know this. You want to go without the multiple choice? I, I didn't realize there was a take, multiple choice, but go give me I, the choice. I, I, I hope this isn't a hint. You're going to want to take the multiple choice. <laughs> go ahead. So, a, no, due to the resident's lack of personal knowledge regarding the incident in question. B, no, because habit evidence is limited to the conduct of persons, not businesses. C, <laughs> Yes, as evidence of a routine practice, or D, yes, as a summary of her present sense of impressions. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> what was, B, B, C, I'm, and D. I'm sorry, you literally took this from the bar exam. <laughs> I did, yeah, well, it's a bar exam question. <laughs> well, well, my gut reaction was A, and that's also a result of B, C, and D being over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I would say A because I watched my cousin Vinny, and I don't think the way they did that case was they would allow that testimony to take place. But anyway, 
Oh gosh, uh, Jen, do you want to help these boys because they don't have it right? <laughs> okay. Oh no. <laughs> oh, okay. So A was the you can't show the habit because they're a corporation. No, that was not B. a person. Yeah, that was, that was B. B. A was due was to the uh, residents' lack of personal knowledge regarding the incident. There you go. No, okay. She wasn't home. She wasn't home. Yeah. Okay. So, so habit, <laughs> habit evidence. Now, now I'm going to preface this by saying I am an indoor oh. cat as a lawyer, not an outdoor cat. Indoor cats, we strategize and make documents. Outdoor cats like argue stuff against other people in a courtroom, like with the jury, like law and order. Um, I'm not an outdoor cat. But I did very well in evidence um, in law school, so there you go. Um, so it's either I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure because because both I'm not 100% sure habit um, is admissible evidence. Um, circumstantial evidence, but you can build a case on circumstantial evidence by saying this is what this person always did. Now you got me on the multi on the answer that said, no, because it's a corporation and you can't enter, um, you can't enter habit for a corporation. I think it's that one because habit is a personality trait um, and corporations, you know, it's different employees. Um, just because one employee does something all the time doesn't mean that all, everybody else will. So I think it's that one, but I could be wrong. I think you're sort of right. It is C, yes, it can be admissible as evidence of a routine practice. Boom. I'd say she probably got it directionally right. How long? How long better, can a person better think than about a question like that in the bar exam? <laughs> yeah, well, what's the time for it? Well, uh, two days. <laughs> <laughs> now it's broken up into sections, and so this section would probably be a few hours. With uh, I can't remember how many questions like this they would ask. Um, I don't know. You probably have a couple hours for maybe like a hundred of these sort of questions. I remember you studying for that. So. Oh yeah, these are fun. Twice. Okay, twice uh, Minnesota and Florida. Yeah. Let's let's go to something easy. Uh, Jen, so in Alabama, is it mm -hmm. against the law to throw silly string? True or false? It's against Ooh. the law to throw silly string in Alabama. Against the law to throw silly string to in throw Alabama. Throw it or spray it? Well, spray it, throw it, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna guess no, although I wouldn't be shocked if it was one of those, go you know, like every state has goofy laws, but I'm gonna say no. It is against the law in Mobile, <gasps> Alabama. In Mobile. Watch yourself, yeah. watch yourself in Alabama. For public safety reasons. You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> yeah. You'll start a fire. Okay, uh, Joe, back yes. to the bar exam. Okay. Ready? Yes. A man has four German Shepherd dogs that he has trained for guard duty and that he holds for breeding purposes. The man has a beware of dog sign clearly posted around a fenced in yard where he keeps the dog. The man's next door neighbor frequently walks past the man's house and knows about the dog's ferocity. One summer day, the neighbor entered the man's fenced in yard to retrieve a snow shovel that he had borrowed during the past winter. The neighbor was attacked by one of the dogs and injured. In a suit against the man, is the neighbor likely to prevail? Well, you want multiple I, choice? Uh, is there multiple? Sure, fire away. There is multiple choice. No, because the neighbor knew the man had dangerous dogs in the yard. No, because the neighbor was trespassing when he entered the man's property. Yes, he is likely to prevail because the neighbor was an invitee for the purposes of retrieving the shovel or yes, because the man was engaged in an abnormally dangerous activity. All right, the, this is wacky. Uh, so I'm <laughs> gonna say, 
well, what I think is right and what I think the law actually is would be two different things. I think it is no because... <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> I think it is no because common sense would be you were not invited onto the property even though your shovel was on there. You know those dogs are vicious. Why would you walk in there? It's posted that they're dangerous dogs. I'd say no, you can't go in there. However, I bet you the law says yes because your shovel was in there come on in and get it and who cares whatever you, sh you should you stick with your first answer my friend oh, okay ding, 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 ding. <laughs> correct okay uh let's see let's go back to uh let's go back to jen here so jen i said uh in the beginning By the way, can we can we build in a rule that if jen gets like say at least five of these wrong she has to make me dinner the next 10 days what? or so. What? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Was not agreed upon in principle. That was not agreed upon the... prior to engaging in this podcast. Yeah. And I, I also said that I was only going to focus on domestic laws, but some of these, you know, potential could be, there's some wacky laws in other parts of the world. Oh, yes, there is. Uh, so let's uh, see. In the, in the United Kingdom, is it illegal to operate a cow while intoxicated? Cow? A cow, yes. Operate a cow while okay. intoxicated. Okay, so I, let's see. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk this out. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a verbal thinker. Um, okay, so here in Minnesota, it's illegal <laughs> to operate a motor vehicle. That's anything with a motor. So, for example, if you're riding a, a bike, I understand. I'm just an estate planner. I'm not a criminal lawyer. I understand that you're not driving under the influence on a bike. You are driving under the influence when you're on a lawnmower that has a motor. Um, cow, I'm not sure where you're going with this answer. That's right. How in England? I'm gonna say that it is against the law in the UK. Yeah, true. It is against the law to operate a cow while intoxicated. You, due to section 12 of the Licensing Act of 1872, which is- Before cars. Makes it, it was before cars. It makes it an offense to be in charge of cattle while intoxicated. That makes no sense, but okay. Okay, back to real questions then. All right. uh, Axel, this one's for you. A sporting goods shop contracted with a publisher to buy for sale in its store 1,200 posters featuring a professional golfer. During the production, the image of the golfer was inadvertently reversed and the right-handed golfer appeared to be left-handed. When the posters were delivered on the date provided in the contract, the sporting goods shop noticed the discrepancy, which had no provable significant impact on the effectiveness of the poster. In the opinion of the shop management, however, the posters did not look as good as they had in the catalog from which the shop had ordered them. Uh, is the sporting goods shop legally entitled to reject the posters? A. No, because the non-conformity does not materially alter the value of the posters to the sporting goods shop. B, no, because the publisher must be given the opportunity to cure the non-conformity before the sporting goods shop can reject the posters. C, yes, because the posters do not conform to the contract. Or D, yes, because the publisher has breached an implied warranty of fitness for a particular purpose. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to go between A and B. I just cannot see that there, that there's any reason to, to have any grounds for that. So I, I don't know, A or B, I guess. 
Probably both, eight. both of those would be wrong, by the it's way. It's C, isn't it? It's C. <laughs> it is C, yes. Oh my God, I would have gotten this wrong. <laughs> Ooh, well, good thing you passed your bar exam. Wow. Okay, yeah, C. Uh, yes, because the posters do not conform to the contract. So. I think that's a but, but, but I mean, with that's the contract, hard, yeah. the contract wouldn't state that the golfer pictured as a right-handed golfer, would it? Yeah, but couldn't you go Probably back their for... likeness, though, their likeness. That... Right. You go back to customer service and say, hey, your posters are backwards. Send yeah. us some new ones. Then... Yeah, yeah. But so even baseball I... cards, you get them backwards sometimes, and they're actually increasing value. So anyway. I'm just going to insert in here that normally in like civil stuff, so this is like really basic civil stuff because, again, I am not an outdoor cat. Um, but the civil stuff usually you have to show your damages and so i was all the way with a of like you got to show your damages there's no damages here um but it's a good it's a contract for a good and they're they're dealt with differently so there you go <laughs> jen in ohio is it illegal to get a fish drunk <laughs> specific Actually, part of ohio or the whole state well i actually, just... I actually want to phone a friend because i work with somebody who's from ohio <laughs> um, it's illegal to get a fish drunk in Ohio. Is it is it illegal to get a fish drunk in Ohio? I I'm gonna say there are states where this is illegal. I'm gonna say Ohio is not one of them. So you are saying it is false. That is correct. You are yes! correct. Yes! You can get fish drunk. guys. In Ohio. Okay, uh, Joe. A young man suggested to his friend that they steal a large screen TV from a neighbor's house. The friend was angry with the young man and decided to use the opportunity to get even with him by having him arrested. The friend said he would, nice friend, right? Uh, yeah. The friend said that he would help, and that night he drove the young man to the neighbor's house. The young man broke in while the friend remained outside. The friend called the police on his cell phone and then drove away. Police officers arrived at the scene just as the young man was carrying the TV out the back door. Dun, dun, dun. The jurisdiction defines crimes as at common law. Um, <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing crazy, like hysterically, uh, because you guys are getting really hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, only, I only pick the best for my brothers. Uh, of what crime, if any, can the friend properly be convicted? A. No crime. B. Conspiracy. C. Burglary. Or D. Conspiracy and larceny. You mean so, the friend? The friend who the friend who took called the TV police. out, or the friend oh, who instigated friend, the, the friend who called police. Oh, okay. Oh, so so what are my choices again? Conspiracy, larceny. What is it? Uh, no crime, conspiracy, burglary, conspiracy, and larceny. Oh boy. Uh, well, I guess he's not a confidential informant. I'm gonna say, uh, was it? B conspiracy larceny. Or is that B or is that C? No, he cannot be convicted of a crime. Oh, really? he didn't set the guy up. No, he didn't commit a crime. Well, he called the okay. cops. Yeah, but he said it'll help you with a crime, and then he didn't help with. Well, the crime. what happened to the other guys? My question. <laughs> exactly. I think that guy's on the on the hook. The guy. Yeah, well, the, that, the, that, that guy did commit burglary. Yeah, he did. Uh, okay, Jen, uh, in California, mm -hmm. is it illegal to wear cowboy boots unless you own at least two cows? Mm. 
true or false in California it's illegal to wear cowboy boots unless you I'm gonna say I'm gonna say false because it's California and if they have this rule in the books there's a lot of people violating it uh you are wrong this does <gasps> This oh. law does exist in Blythe. So literally, it's a law of all cowboy and no ha- or all hat and no cowboy. True. Yes. Something like wow. that. Wow. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Wow. Uh, let's see. We'll do we'll do final round here uh, for each of you. So, Axel, this one particularly applies to uh, today, I think, because uh, you should you should know this answer. A daughter was appointed guardian of her elderly father following an adjudication of his mental incompetence. The father had experienced periods of dementia during which he did not fully understand what he was doing. The father later contracted to purchase an automobile at a fair price from a seller who was unaware of the guardianship. At the time of the purchase, the father was lucid and fully understood the nature and purpose of the transaction. This has to do with afterlife planning. What is the legal status of the transaction? A, the contract is enforceable because a reasonable person in the situation of the seller would have thought that the father had the capacity to make the contract. B, the contract is enforceable because it was made in fair terms and the seller had no knowledge of the father's guardianship. C, the contract is void because the father was under guardianship at the time it was made. Or D, the contract is voidable at the option of the father. Gonna call my wife, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty confident on. I, 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 so I'm going to go with C because, uh, well, what I'm saying is, you cannot, you cannot enforce it. So I, I forget the option. So I think it was C. B the the or contract C, is void because the father was under guardianship at the time it was made. Correct. The question was. What that I would have correct. Skin, skin, there you go. I'm so proud yes. of you. Yes. <laughs> Way to go. The logic of it is like, think about a 17-year-old making a contract. What would they do? <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Jen, we're back in California. Uh, oh, can ice cream be eaten while standing on the sidewalk? Or ice cream may not be eaten while standing on the sidewalk, I guess is the correct way to say that question. Okay. In California, ice cream may not be eaten while standing on sidewalk. True or false? I'm going to say that's false. Correct. Cool. Although at one time it was a law. And they got rid of it. Which ironically was repealed by Clint Eastwood. Really? And Carmel. And Carmel. And these city ordinances are just bonkers. (laughs) City ordinances can be weird. Uh, Okay, well, let's go back to the bar, Joe, for your last question here. State law prohibits any barbership licensed by the state from displaying posters in support of any current candidate for public office or displaying or uh, distributing any any campaign literature in support of such a candidate. No other kinds of posters or literature are subject to this prohibition nor are any other types of commercial establishments in the state subject to similar prohibitions. Is this law constitutional? A, no, because it treats barbershops differently than other commercial establishments. B, no, because it imposes a restriction on the content and subject matter of speech in the absence of any evidence that such a restriction is necessary to serve a complying state interest. Well, compelling state interest, sorry. Uh, C, yes, because it leaves political candidates free to communicate their campaign messages to voters by other means. 
or D, yes, because the operation of a licensed barber shop is a privilege and therefore is subject to any reasonable restriction imposed by the state. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to say it's A. No. No. What it's is B, it? It's B because it imposes a restriction on the content or subject matter of a speech in the absence of any evidence that such a restriction is necessary to serve as a compelling state interest. Hmm. No, I'm going to tell you that I initially went with A, but then when I heard B, I was like, no, that's the test. So <laughs> you, I say you were darn close. If this was horseshoes, I'd that's give it right. to you. <laughs> I knew okay. it was no. I just didn't know the reason why it was no. So, okay, I'll take I, it. I just have one. So we'll do this as a, as a group question. Well, maybe not for Jen, but this is, this is, a, this is a fun one too. Uh, last one from, uh, from the bar exam. An attempt was made to hijack a commercial airliner while it was in flight from San Francisco to New Orleans. I love the details in these questions. <laughs> it was flying at 632 miles per hour. Within <laughs> minutes, however, the hijacker was seized and the plane proceeded to its destination. Upon the plane's arrival, television stations broadcast pictures of the passengers as they disembarked. Among the passengers pictured on television was a businessman who was supposed to be in Chicago on company business. The disclosure that the businessman was in New Orleans and not in Chicago at the time resulted in the loss of his position with the company. He got fired. And great humiliation and embarrassment for him. If the businessman asserts a claim against the television stations for broadcasting his picture as he disembarked, is he likely to prevail? A, yes, because the businessman's location was revealed against his wishes. B, yes, because the publication of the television pictures caused the businessman, uh, let's see, pecu pecuniary? Pe pecuniary. Yeah, that. Long. It's monetary. It's, mo it's monetary. Uh, C, no, because of the humiliation and embarrassment did not result in physical harm to the businessman. Or D, no, because the scene shown on television was newsworthy. So is he likely to prevail? I'm pretty sure I know what it is. I want to hear what Joe and Axel say. I, well, I, I think I'm, it's a hands down no for me because there's no expectation of privacy in a situation like that. I'm the same way as a former news guy as us yeah. three are that that is newsworthy and there's no way that we could know that he has a waiver or anything like, oh, don't show me. I'm not supposed to be here. You could that be in the witness protection program. You wouldn't know. If they are recording from a public place in a public spot, uh, observing that, that he has no protection. It's D. You guys sure. are correct. Right. You guys are what... almost ringers because you yeah. were in the news business. But <laughs> yes. I wonder if, uh, let's see. So I didn't actually keep track like what your percentage pass rate would be here, but uh, I would might, the bar. You might be close to passing the bar. <laughs> no. but, uh, Jen, what, uh, how do you, how, what's your percentage of when do you pass? Well, first of all, there's only pass or fail. So like, oh. So like you don't you don't get any ex, like special marks for passing with flying colors, um, and it's different it's different between states. Um, Florida had a much lower pass rate than Minnesota, and the kind of the joke is you know is trying to figure out does that mean that one is harder than the other, or does that mean that smarter people take it in <laughs> minute? So I'm not and I'm not going to say what I think. But. <laughs> Hey, Jen, is it illegal for a chicken to cross the road in Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, I mean, it wouldn't be illegal to the chicken. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say if you're the chicken owner, you're you're you have liability if you let your chickens cross the road. You're right. It is illegal <laughs> in, in Quitman, Georgia, for chicken owners. They must have control of their chickens at all times. Yep. <laughs> there you go. A little bit longer lightning round, but hopefully equally entertaining. Yeah, that was good. It was good to have another voice on this podcast. Not that you guys aren't worth listening to, but it was good to have Jen here today. Somebody smart. Thanks, guys. Podcast has significantly risen this week. Did yeah? How are we going to top this? (laughs) Man, we set the bar high. (laughs) We got to we got to marry some more experts. Apparently. (laughs) 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 Oh well, Jen. Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. Thanks so much for having me. As always, uh, good being with everybody. And until next time, we'll see you later. See you. Stay well. Bye.